Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all your favorite pop stars, then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. I am your host, DJ Louis Fourteenth. Welcome to a very special, uh, quote-unquote, mini-sode, although not so mini-episode. I have done a few of these in the past. This is different than ones we've done before. I will get to that all in a second. Before I do... Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Pop Pantheon on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and help us get up in the rankings. More on that to come. I'm trying to come up with a little contest idea related to that, so stay tuned on that. Please follow us on social at Pop Pantheon Pod and me at DJ L O U I E X I V. So, this is a really special episode. As many people may or may not know who listen to this podcast, the Super Bowl is this weekend. It is a sporting event that I pay zero attention to, but contains a section in the middle that is one of the most talked about pop events of the year the halftime show. And there's been lots of memorable ones for reasons good and bad. They're usually a huge cornerstone in a pop star's career. In the Pop Pantheon, we talk about whether or not a pop star is able to or has headlined the Super Bowl as one of the criteria for where they end up in the Pantheon. So it all feels really relevant. And I thought it might be nice to do an entire extravaganza episode devoted to Super Bowl halftime performances over the last many decades. This year's halftime show is Dr. Dre and Friends, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, and I'm assuming more special guests. So it's actually seems like a bit of a turning point in terms of like these being showcases for individual pop stars' careers. But as you'll see in the conversation that I'm about to have, the Super Bowl has morphed and changed and these halftime performances have taken on new shapes. And while many of us in the last decade know them as these single artist showcases, as we'll lay out, they've really evolved over time. So I'm not going to speak too long. My guest is returning champ for the third time, Jezebel. Rich Juzwiak. We rank all of our favorite Super Bowls. We talk about our least favorite Super Bowls and we give a little bit of tea on every single Super Bowl since 1991. So it's a jam-packed episode. I really hope this helps you understand kind of the evolution of the Super Bowl halftime show, what it means for pop stars and who's done it well and who's done it less well. I had so much fun having this conversation with Rich. So without further ado, here's my conversation and our countdown of Super Bowl halftime shows with Rich Joswiak. Okay, so I'm here once again with the fabulous Rich Joswiak of Jezebel fame and pot psychology fame. Rich, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. My pleasure as always. So we are here to talk about Super Bowl halftime shows. Yes. They are singular events in a pop star's career, at least of late, where only seemingly an upper echelon of stars gets a chance to showcase their work and career for the biggest stage on television all year. They are sometimes good. They are sometimes less good. So we made lists. We have our list of our top five and a bunch of not favorites. I, I want to start with a little bit of table setting. I want to go through our list. I know you have thoughts on Super Bowls that you didn't put on your list. So I was thinking yeah. maybe we'll go through our lists and then whatever we don't mention between the two of us, we'll go through the other ones quickly and give like five seconds on each okay. one. Okay. Starting in like 91 though. Cause like, I'm, cause right. I, w- I want to break this down for people. Like the halftime show has gone through some faces here. We've got like, yeah. as far as I could process it, it's like we've got the pre-91 era, which is like kind of not focused on pop stars and music, really. How would you describe it? I don't know, like this entertainment company kind of ran it. Well, okay. So uh, it's actually a little bit, there's like another era that that is okay. somewhat important, Go, I think. Tell Which us. is like, okay. So like before the 80s, it yeah. was kind of marching band stuff with a little bit of weirdness thrown in. Right. Then in the 80s, up with people, this cult-like group of very positive, mostly white people, often singing black music, which is part of the camp appeal today, right. Right. does it. And it becomes this extravaganza that involves a lot of choreography taking up the entire field. I think like up with people and that kind of melody sensibility and that kind of stuff. Up With People kind of originated this idea that was then taken by Disney. And in 1991, the introduction of like the pop mega group comes, which is what you're talking right. about. Right. Up With People is like almost like pseudo spiritual Christian, yes. like up yes. with, like, but like Tammy Faye's style or something like that a little bit. Yes. Like, yes. Charismatic. And yes. And like, 
really cheesy, like almost to the point of like feeling like you're tripping or something. Like it's so absolutely. Bizarre. Has anybody here seen my old friend Abraham? So post the up, uh, what are they called again? The uh, up with people. Up with, up the, with uh, people. yeah. Uh, them. You've yes. got, kind, you've got, you've got kind of like this really strange era in the '90s that's like kind of vacillates between some sort of theme like winter magic or like yes. Disney or Indiana Mal Jones. Indiana Jones. Oh, the Indi we were going to have to talk about that one for a second. Yeah. And there are a couple in here that sort of start to set the template for what they will become, which are Michael in 93 and Diana yes. in 96. And yes. then... Oh, and then, the, oh my God, the Blues Brothers. We, we have a lot to get to. Uh, like Motown, the Blues Brothers, whatever. Like there's all these themes. Multiple appearances by Gloria Stefan. Then you get to, <laughs> so then you get to like the, the the turn of the century. It really shifts starting in 01, like MTV kind of took over. And they become yes. like a little bit of like this chaotic kind of like melange of pop culture. Everything's just thrown into the pot and it's like utter chaos. Like it's, it's because, like- Because in general, it, you've got multiple people kind of, there's like headliners, but you've got a bunch of acts that they're they're carouseling through. That like really yes. like you wouldn't put together like if you were sane. Like it's, it's very uh, strange. Yes. And that just don't work for that very reason. It's like, what was that? Right. And then, so you've got that, that era kind of ends with Janet. Janet. And the nipple. Then they freak out, obviously, and they're done. Th that era is also like shifts from the '90s to focus on more younger pop stars. Like in, right. whenever there are pop acts in that sort of pre-MTV era, it seems all very oriented towards middle age and older. Like you got Tony mm -hmm. Bennett there, you know, it's like it's older people. When MTV takes over, you start to see like NSYNC and Britney and you know Justin and whatever. So then Janet freaks them out. Then there's this whole run through the mid 2000s of like old boomer rock acts like yeah prince notwithstanding it is just like literally all of your parents favorite arena touring rock acts which like yes we'll talk about that and then kind of the modern era of it i feel like is born somewhat with the black eyed peas but mainly in 2012 with madonna they they yeah. launch into this new period where it becomes like all the biggest pop stars doing a 12 to 13 minute career retrospective extravaganza. And that's kind with, of like where we've yes. been, right? With special guests in, in that last era, there are, and the special guests don't always make sense, but no. they're there. No, they sometimes make absolutely no sense and it's extremely jarring. I feel like yeah. the last 10 years or so have, have turned this into like the biggest pop acts in the world yeah. trying to give you their entire career in a very short amount of time and like give you like the biggest possible spectacle that like money can buy. And that's kind of like how we know them today. But that's really only been like kind of like the past 10 years or so, I'd say. Right, 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 right. Yes. All right. So that's the eras. Now, having sat through, uh, I per I sat through about 20, 23 or four of these. What makes yes. them good? What do you think makes them work and what makes them bad? Like, it really is a sink or swim kind of thing. And I think <laughs> more than anything, it's like the performer has to come out. It's yes. You can't rest on your hits. You can't rest on whatever they have Katy Perry resting on in, in, <laughs> in every single setup in hers. Wow. You I really knew it was coming. I didn't it. realize how fast it was coming. Yeah, you really got to bring it. She's not, but Katy Perry is not in my bottom two, actually, it turns out. Katy Perry, I, I loathe that performance when I saw it, but I actually think everything about it besides Katy Perry is fine. When you so, get through the 90s and you get through the fucking boomer rockers, you're pretty excited to see Katy Perry. That's how I felt. I had the same yes, experience where I was like, I agree. Like, Katy Perry really, you know, as listeners of this podcast will know, I have my qualms with her. But I'm telling you, by the time we got to this pop spectacle era, including Katie, I was like, thank God. Like, I was like, I was so exhausted. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people stand that performance. Like, I know well, people a lot that of really people, love that. A lot of people stand a lot of stuff. So <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> ah! Oh, my God. Yeah. No, the other thing I thought was like, you really got to make every minute count. Like, it's a yes. short amount of time. The ones that 100%. suck are when, like, the, the, you stand there and you pick three songs that you said for the most part there are exceptions yes but like you gotta fill this shit up with like every minute has to be like whoa wow blah, blah. like if you don't do that you're kind of fucked and the set list has to be right at some point they got that like no one wants to hear your new fucking song like do exactly. the hits like that was the thing that went on for a period there where everyone was like here's a 
great big stage to debut my new song that like nobody wants uh, no. to hear. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. waste your 12 minutes giving like a new song. Like that's never going to work. I also thought you better be lucky enough that it happens at night. When they happen during the afternoon, it really oh, takes yeah. away from the grandeur and the drama of it's the whole thing. That's a great point. You're so right. You're so right. Yeah, you need the crowd. You need the lights from the crowd the and all of that. The lights and the yeah. dark, like the, the sea of sort of like lights around you and like the mm -hmm. darkness creates all the effects and the fireworks to really pop. So those were like my main thoughts. Like, And also, I guess my last question before we get into our list is, who gets to do it in the modern context? Like, what do you have to have achieved, do you feel like, in order to get this? slot well i think this year's lineup goes just goes to show that like you have to be kind of like this dying breed of pop star mm. that speaks to a sort of monoculture that doesn't exist anymore but that also has enough time accrued that it makes sense because it is kind of prestigious. Yes. And you need the songs to fill. Like you need, like you do, I, there were certain but, people I felt like they put on a little bit too early. There. Yes, I agree. Like maybe Bruno Mars could have gone a little bit later, but also there are people like Mariah Carey who I would never want to see a halftime show from. They don't do the singing divas. They don't. Ariana Grande could do it though. For sure. I don't know if it would be good. As you said, it's a dying breed. I think they are rejiggering it this year. This yes. year feels like another pivot point where they're, they yes. have a theme. It's like Dr. Dre, West Coast, Dr. Dre, Acolytes, whatever. Like that seems like a shift away from the sort of like one pop star because they're out of options. Yes. I mean, the only major one that seems like very obvious who would do it, who seems like no brainer is Taylor Swift. I have zero idea why she hasn't done it yet. She seems like yeah. slam dunk of slam dunks. And obviously Rihanna would be another one, but I think she has a stand against them because of the Colin Kaepernick shit, which like good for her. So, and also like Rihanna's right. retired from being a pop star. So it's not, she's not going to do it. But yeah, I agree. It seems like they've ha they're having to pivot because they're kind of out of these old school stars. Like there's not really a ton of them left that haven't done it yet. Exactly. So let's do our list. I think we should. Should we go? I think we should maybe go like one for like start at five, go one for one, and yeah, like when when they come up for the first time, we can discuss. And then if you have honorable mentions, we can do those. If you and we'll do our least favorites, and then if we don't mention them, I think we should just run back through them from ninety one on and just give like. 15 seconds each on, on each one. Okay, 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 okay. All right, so go first. Who do you have at five? Diana Ross. Oh my God, so do I. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. Bitch. Okay, talk to me about why Diana's in your top five. Okay, well, there was no way she wasn't going to make my top five when I got to the end of the performance, which she <laughs> departs the field in a helicopter, hanging out of it. I mean, she's got her arms in straps, but she's hanging out the side of a helicopter like, bye, bye. <laughs> I was really impressed incredible. because, okay, like, I mean, she almost has the opposite problem where it was like too much of a career to pack into that little amount of time. Yeah, she did like yet, 12 to 15 songs. She did. Unfortunately, her disco period is entirely not represented. I know. Why do I will survive another diva's disco song and not do I'm coming out or something? I mean, Take Me Higher had come out recently, I guess at that point. She covers I Will Survive on that album, on her mid-90s dance album. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. She had recorded it and, and released the single and RuPaul's in the video and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. But that said, yeah, I mean, like, uh, upside down even like or like you know like that you could have done upside down but i thought she sort of set the template for what they all do now which is like she move did. through 10 songs really fast in a mega mix like one into the other like by the minute one chorus is over she's on to the next one singing live uh she sounds you know she never blew her voice out that's not her style so like of course she's maintained her voice and yet still how nice it is to hear diana ross sound like diana ross how many years later i mean and she looked amazing and she looked she looked amazing she had great energy she's uh. not much of a dancer but she's moving and the show is dynamic 
And, you know, uh, I mean, she is a legend and she showed up and did her legend shit. So it was amazing. I said to you on text, she is the definition of star quality. It's like, she doesn't yes, have to do much. Yes. She just sort of like does her smile and shakes the hair around and you're just like, ah, like she just, she exactly. has that. Like she is the she emblematic version of that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And she had the uh, misfortune of playing during the day. She was one of yes, those day performers. Did. That's absolutely true. <laughs> it's fully like, and it's, you know, it's also pre, like the spectacle increased to such a degree that like looking back at some of these, they're a little bit hurt by the fact that like, we just hadn't taken it to that place yet. All that totally. said, I agree. It was pure star quality. I was completely entertained the entire time. Great song selection. And I feel like was really the table setter for how they ended up being eventually. Yeah, more so than Michael, I would say even. Yeah, well, Michael, like the first half of Michael's is incredible. And then it like is. we devolve into like heal the world and we heal the, the world. world. Yeah, because the format wasn't there. Like, you know that if Michael had done this, like, in the, whatever, in 2020, we would have gotten the apex version of this format. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Who do you have at four? At four, I have Madonna. Okay, let's talk about it. Madonna is not on my list. She was just outside of my top five. I'd say okay. I was okay. really vacillating on this one for a while. What's your justification here? Well, I mean, I thought Madonna did basically her thing, which is to say she like put on an amazing show. That is yes. like one of the things you could count on her for. This is when she still seemed to have full facilities in <laughs> place and was able to kind of like make her body do what her mind wanted it to do. Yes. She was just there, you know, like I, when I look at Madonna's eyes now, I don't see the fire. She still had the fire. She still felt like she could have a hit. I mean, I guess Give Me All Your Love did go top 10, kind of on fumes alone, et cetera. And she performed that there. And you can't underrate her bringing queer culture to football. <laughs> she did Vogue. Now, Up With People apparently was very, very gay. I was reading an interview with like a past guy in it, a guy that, a member of it. So like they brought gay, which is very apparent when you watch them. But, you know, still, is still kind of unprecedented move on Madonna's part. And even though I don't believe she sang a word or like if she did, it was over a track. It, it all just still worked for me. And it, I also felt like even though like obviously like this is one of Madonna's strong suits, it still was not a foregone conclusion that she'd pull it off. There was kind of a question at the time as to whether she would. So it ended as a kind of triumph. Like, yes, yes. Madonna still has it. She did it. And so it, it's one of the memorable ones for me. I agree. And also like kind of the like crystallization of the, as I said, of like the way that they've been for the last 10 years. Yes. I, I loved this too. This could easily have been in my top five. First of all, the entrance is the best maybe of all. Like when she gets carried in on like the throne by like totally. the Roman soldiers and like placed on the stage. I thought very good song selection. Yes. She kind of hits what you need her to hit. She does, aside mm -hmm. from maybe doing Give Me All Your Love, which worked at the Super Bowl because it's like a cheerleader it, it, anthem. Yes. We got Vogue, we got music, we got Open Your Heart a Little, Express Yourself, Like a Prayer. So I agree, it was really good. I think the thing that kind of like knocked it down a little bit for me was like in sort of classic modern Madonna fashion, the weird cameos. I'm like, why is LMFAO here? Like, do we LMFAO need LMFAO there? Sure. Like, it was yes. kind of like the christening or like maybe like the beginning of sort of this phase of Madonna where she's just like grabs whoever's hot at the moment. And like, it just in retrospect looks ridiculous because obviously LMFAO is like a relic at this point. And like a little bit like CeeLo, even though he has a great voice, like doing like a prayer, I'm like, why is CeeLo getting such prime sort of real estate yeah. in your signature yeah. hit here. Like, do we really need that? So there were little things and you know, this isn't her fault, but like, you know, she's not obviously not the peak of her physicality at this point, but yeah. it's, but that's not yeah. her fault. She, I loved this. Also, I, I think that this was her last, I mean, it wasn't just a self-contained triumph. I think it was her last, like really successful thing that she did in front of the world. Yeah. Very soon after this, it was like, it became a thing where every time Madonna showed up at an awards show, she was ridiculed. So it did feel like the last moment of her mm. being like, appreciated widely yeah, yeah 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 i agree this could have easily made my list but uh but it did i picked at number four 
J-Lo and Shakira, actually. Uh, that, uh, fair enough. They were just outside of my top Yeah, five, I mean, neither of yeah. them are my favorite. You know, J-Lo obviously is not necessarily known for her live vocals or anything like that. But I just have to tell you, every time I rewatch this one, I am just absolutely riveted from start to finish. It is so joyful. So good. So yeah. much fun. Such a visual extravaganza. The two of them are so fierce. Like, they are just giving, giving, giving. Shakira is an incredible performer. She is. You know what? What? I liked about it was what started as what felt like sort of a knock. Like I was kind of like, give JLo her own Super Bowl. I mean, JLo's a big fucking star. Like I feel like JLo could easily have headlined her own Super Bowl, but it really totally. had a sisterhood camaraderie to it that like yes, that yes. actually helped it along. That really 100%. added something to it. And when they're dancing and, together at the end. Yes. Exactly. And man, talk about getting 300 songs in in 12 minutes. I mean, they I each know. do what feels like a complete Super Bowl set in half the time, which like totally. is so crazy. Like, how did they even do that? I felt like all the song selections were right. Every single second was a thrill. The technical and like visual aspect of it was just like off the charts, maybe the best that it's ever been. And it was really like the grandeur to me the precision like how how fierce they were and it was very joyful like i felt like they yes. were loving it and having so much fun and loving each other and i never had any sense of their relationship before that but watching it it was like oh i guess they're like friends because yeah I, to me it didn't seem like something you could fake speaking of the technical aspect the stage is a screen but right. it's like 3d the the right. visual trick is that it, it goes like down into where yes. the platform right. comes out right. so it looks really really cool from above great great show you know j-lo couldn't sing vision of love but mariah carey couldn't do that oh shit the other thing i kept going in my head is like this bitch is 50 years old like she I, exactly was yes, eating totally. i would she ate it i mean i just love that crazy. one it's like in my head i'm always like why would this be my favorite like i neither of these girls are my favorite but every single time i put that one on i applaud at the end of it i just think it's genius so that was my it's number so four. so good it's wonderful all right, so what'd you have at three? Gaga. Oh, Rich, I did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming either, but I watched it and I was like, yeah, pretty much. Basically, she steals a bit that Michael Jackson does. In the beginning of the Michael Jackson thing, he's up at the top of the stadium at different screens. A few seconds go by and then he's at the next one and it's like, how did they pull that off? She kind of does the same thing, except... His is a sleight of hand. His is some, some kind of like David Copperfield shit. But she actually is wearing a harness and mm -hmm. and, cat and, and and is lowered down to the stage and then is still dancing with the harness, kind of like doing decreased gravity kind yeah. of moves and stuff for a while. I hate um, to burst your bubble a little bit, but I do think the opening part was pre-taped. Well, yes, yes. I, yeah. I think you're right. But, yeah. but, the, but that said, she is lowered down yes. a substantial amount. Yes. And it is pretty crazy because she's singing. She sounds great. Mm -hmm. She dances. I mean, she gives her absolute all... But the only points off for me is that she does that thing of performing a song that had no business being performed, which is a million reasons, which is- It was a little sad that we didn't have Shallow at that point, because that was the perfect exactly. place for Shallow. Uh, that's exactly what I thought, but you and I should have been there if she was going to do that. Yeah, no, this was very close to being on my list too. Right song choices besides a million reasons. I felt like you could see a version of this where she was leaning more on like Joanne Cuts or whatever, or Art Pop or whatever. Yeah. So she did right. the right song. She did it the right way. The spectacle was amazing. She is a great live performer. I'm really shocked actually to hear that she was on here because I know you have really mixed feelings about her generally as a pop star. Like generally, I, I like her. Like I like her when she's at her best, but I just feel that she's not often at her best. Yeah, and right. that frustrates me. <laughs> that is a great point. I think it's very well said. I think the thing that kept it off for me a little bit was... It just felt like it was exactly what I kind of would have expected. Just like did uh -huh. the thing very well. Like it did the format yeah. that had been established perfectly, but it sort of like didn't give me a moment of like, oh my God. And especially from an artist that early in her career was really good at kind of like giving you shock and awe. It felt a little bit 
tame almost in a certain way like very proficient but like lacking in like a jaw-dropping moment where you're just like oh shit like this is just like you blew my mind i felt like she just 100 she understood the assignment as the annoying saying goes and she like did it with a plum but it just it didn't like transcend to me i think ultimately my number three is potentially going to be a shock because it was a shock to me. All right. I love it. My number three is you too. And I would not have anticipated this. Now, little backstory. I grew up with parents who were obsessed with U2. I've seen U2 in concert more than a dozen times, I think. Often not by choice, but that's whatever. I'm not some sort of U2 super fan in my adult life, although I do appreciate their good music. I think, like, you know, most of those Joshua Tree tracks really go off. And, like, when when they were good, they were great. But I was just really moved by this performance. It's the one that came on right after 9-11. It's it's 2002. So it's, you know, months after September 11th. And I don't know. I can't explain what it was. Like, it just hit me really deeply. There's this really intense moment where they're performing their songs, MLK and uh, Where the Streets Have No Name. And all the names of the people that died on 9-11 are scrolling behind them. Like those Joshua Tree songs are so grand and sweeping and like if you give yourself over to them, they are moving to me. And I thought they just did a really good job without overblowing it of doing like small gestures that felt big and really met the moment. And I just was Mm. moved by the performance. Like truly, it stood out to me as one of the best ones that I watched. I was not moved. I actually had a hard time kind of paying attention to to that Uh one in my rewatch. I do think that it kind of predicted the Janet situation in that like something like serious or that, you know, I mean, obviously 9-11 was extremely serious, Janet less so, but a major event happens. And then the people in charge pivot to like legacy white, mostly rock acts. Oh, well, for sure. Kind of like safe, you know? But the other, like Tom Petty, boring. I I find Bono to be a much more riveting live performer. I'll I'll get into Tom Petty. I have have (laughs) some scathing things to say about Tom Petty. Yeah. Well, I was surprised as anybody you know and going back to the Gaga thing just for a second because there's a relation here Gaga was the first Super Bowl post-Trump winning and I do remember also feeling a little bit disappointed because it was February 2017 so he had just been inaugurated and I remember wanting to feel like she was going to make some sort of like really big statement she's the spokesperson for the LGBTQ community I felt like she was so reined in and I, I remember feeling slightly disappointed by that at the time that said the Gaga performance did include Born This Way, which is a song I have plenty of problems with, but also can't deny the fact that it actually talks about queerness explicitly. And so here's another example of somebody bringing that to this traditionally very straight Right, Stage. for sure. And she does do this thing on the top of the stadium where she sings like this land is your land, which I think was her sort of like way of trying to be yes. pointed. So yeah, interesting. They have parallels in that way that they were both kind of like the one that happened after like a humongous sort of country altering event. Yes, All right. very true. Top two, here we go. Here we go. My number two is Prince. Oh my God, my number two is Prince too. Wow. I thought I you were definitely putting another. Prince at, no, at number one for sure. No, I my issue with Prince's performance is he, he performs three songs from Purple Rain, which is not my favorite Prince album at all. And he right. picks three of my least favorite songs on Purple Rain to perform that are the least funky songs on Purple Rain. Agreed. The song so, choice was very true. And then like so many, like covering the Foo Fighters. Yeah, covering. And, and also he does another cover too. Proud right? Mary. Proud, Proud Mary. Mary. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's Prince at his kind of most M.O.R. kind of like Rocky vibe. Yes. So I'm not in love with the set list. That yes. said, the performance is amazing. And also, I mean, like Purple Rain is not in my top 20, maybe not in my top 30, maybe not in my top 40 print songs. Right. But this performance of it, I found to be legitimately moving. Yes. And quite wonderful. One of my favorite performances of Purple Rain that I've ever heard. Incredible um, stadium single.
Exactly, and, yeah. and, and I can't even really put into words beyond that, just that he really fucking nailed that. You know, he really did it. And this was also a really good moment for him, too, because certainly, I mean, I would argue after 95, Prince just stopped being able to write songs. Right. But then in the mid-2000s, he certainly got a second win just performing, and he toured very successfully and just kind of reintegrated himself in the culture by virtue of his virtuosic performance, which, if nothing else, should be recognized. So this was kind of like representative of that or kind of like gave him the fuel to go on to do that yeah i really um i feel so lucky that i got to see him like probably a few years after this like i had the opportunity to see him in concert i mean there's nobody like fucking prince i mean yeah exactly watching the as you said the virtuosity paired with the showmanship i mean i thought it brought a lot of different eras of the super bowl halftime shows together it was like you were both getting kind of like the legacy rock act and sort of the pop era like fused into one thing yeah. Talk about, I, he's just, he's Prince. Like, I don't know. I was completely magnetized to him the entire time. I almost didn't care as much about the weird song choices as I would have in a normal situation because I yeah. was riveted by him. The stage was incredible looking. The rain falling down. The fact that it was actually raining during the performance was like such yes, a magical, yes. weird thing to have happened. It's kind of perfectly bizarrely Prince to suddenly start covering the Foo Fighters. Like, I was like, oh, maybe <laughs> I do like this song that I've like never cared for. It was unhinged just to the degree that Prince can like make something unhinged and still hold it together with his virtuosity. And right. I think many people see it as the superlative halftime show. Uh, uh, yes, I, I agree. And for good reason. I agree that my knock from it was so many amazing songs to pick from. And like, these are the ones we landed on. Like, come on. Like, yeah. Like giving like 1999 was like made to be played at a Super Bowl kind of event or like totally. anything like, you know, like no one doves cry. I mean, there were some obvious ones that like just felt like they got looked over, but hard to knock it. It was really incredible. Like I really enjoyed it. It is. Like, all right. So number one, I mean, I feel like it's got to be obvious what number one is. Beyonce. Beyonce. Right? She fucking yeah. murdered crazy. it fucking no, shit it's well because she's just like pounding herself into the stage basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. singing live the whole time not missing a step mm -hmm. looking cool just like i mean she was like made to do that She was made to do it. There's a clip of her before she goes on stage and somebody asks her, are you nervous? And she literally just like looks back in like her perfectly sort of like Beyonce, like personality list kind of way and just goes, I'm just going to do what God put me on this earth to do. And that is what <laughs> she, she did. did, bitch. Like, yeah. I mean, every it is the perfect Super Bowl halftime show performance. Yeah, I mean, perfect song just... selection. Every song is like reworked into like the perfect little mega mix. She is zeroed in like to the utmost degree. The spectacle is incredible. And then, of course, the bringing out of Kelly and Michelle. Like so many times that I'm sure when we go when we sort of mow through some of these other ones, the guests feel so sort of like superfluous and like strangely paired. It was was so thrilling it was like of course who do you want to see in the beyonce show you want desi's child to get back together it was such a genius turn to have them do single ladies with her kelly michelle will you help me sing this one show no baby every minute of it was perfect of course aside from the now infamous thing where she didn't lie in the right place on the stage on the overhead shot and she's not centered. <laughs> that was like... Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, and I would say, again, you know, Halo is not one of my favorite Beyonce no. songs uh -uh, at all. Halo, actually. But very much like Purple Rain, the Prince did, this version of Halo is somehow extremely moving to me. She mm -hmm. really just gave it 
more life than I ever thought Halo would have. The thing is that it's just like basically not fair. Beyonce is really the best. I mean, She's the like best. as objectively the best as anybody has ever been, really. So besides Michael, probably, besides right? Michael, but Michael, you know, I, I I think you could like start to see where he started coming undone. Yeah, at a certain thriller, point. You know? Yeah, There's at a like, certain point. But but when a, Michael was on, he's really the only when one was I can on, think of on. that was like every single minute of that was perfection like there was it, it, not it was. every element worked every move she made every single moment of that is just like it was absolute like it's spine tingling every time i've watched it probably 400 i, mean, I can't imagine the amount of times i've watched this thing i mean yeah. there's nobody better there's nobody better and it does feel there's a little nobody. bit like a precursor to homecoming which i would venture to say like might be like one of the greatest live performances ever given like yeah and, and is widely agreed as such right? the only thing that was sort of interesting to me about it is this predated the sort of like third wind of Beyonce's career that started with the visual yes. album, which was really interesting. It was like right on the cusp after four. Yep. And like, she hadn't yet moved into this sort of like grand dom of pop era of her career where she was like yeah. releasing these gigantic sort of statement culture pieces. Anyway, I, 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 every time I go back to it, I'm like, am I going to think this is as amazing as I remember it being? And it always and is. And it is. It really and is. And it is. Wow. A lot of agreement on these lists. I know. Well, you know, it's taste. seemed kind of obvious, really. Yeah, taste. Exactly. It 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 exactly. did it did ultimately seem kind of obvious. The only other ones I really considered putting in the mix, as I said, were Gaga and Madonna. I thought about Michael for a second because I he was sort of just hampered by the fact that the halftime show wasn't what we know it to be today. Yeah, but I do sort of feel like he's pretty stellar in that first, you know, four or five minutes of that performance when he does Jam and Black or White. There's a really great moment where he like appears on stage and like stares into the abyss for yes, like yes. what feels like a minute. A little and a half. too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I points off for lip syncing though. Yes, true. Um, true. The only other ones I had on here that I thought about and there's only one I think you're going to maybe quibble with. I thought Bruno was really good. Yeah, me too. I just thought that like he just didn't have the songs really. Like it yeah. was 2014, he'd had like he'd been out for like 4 or 5 years. It just felt yeah. premature to me it a little did. bit. I thought I actually thought Bruce Springsteen was pretty good. Yes, in that whole like Prince accepted the whole boomer era. Yeah. He was definitely the best. Yeah. I'll tell you who I thought was the worst of yeah. all time. Top two worst of all time. Let's go. Tom Petty sucked oh, so hard. Horrible. I can't even believe that he showed up and did that. No horrible. show, nothing. It was just, okay, Tom Petty's going to sing four songs. Here you go. It Fuck was you. Horrible. It was like, Fuck you. I couldn't believe it. And like, at that point we were so deep in like the nadir of these boomer rock acts. I was like, Oh God, it was, I mean, I thought the who was pretty bad too. I, but at least the Who had a stage. At least the Who considered visual. Yeah, but, the, yeah, but it was so boring. I it, was just like... It was boring, but at least it was more than Tom Petty. <laughs> no, Tom Petty definitely bottom two, no question. And, you know, and, and like, like the Stones and Paul McCartney, whatever, but at least they are so effervescent that it was like, fine, okay, good, do your thing. I mean, yeah... Paul McCartney was pretty boring too, I thought, but I mean It was pretty boring, but you could but I felt like he's commanding this. Yes, Tom for Petty, sure. I didn't even feel like I really felt like he showed no, up. He was like asleep I mean, at the wheel. Ugh, just say no. As you said with Madonna, you're almost like nervous for them. Like, are they gonna nail it? Because they're so yeah. intricate. They're so action-packed. There's so many notes to hit figuratively and in reality. And like when it's just these rock dudes, like it felt like, like another day at the office, like going on their yeah. stupid tour, playing to their fans. Like there was nothing like that made it, the stakes feel high. It just felt boring exactly. and low on my bad list. Also the Disney, Christina Enrique Iglesias, oh, Tony God. Braxton. That was horrible. 2000. Yeah. 
That was kind of a Lion King inspired yes. kind of lots of like mechanical animals controlled by humans type of vibe. Yes. See with a Julie Taylor yes. hive. Yeah. The, the theme was Tapestry of Nations. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just like actually a really funny flashback to like how we thought about things in 2000. Like Tapestry of Nations. Like we were fucking idiots. Like we had no yeah. idea what was coming down the pike for us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yes, I agree. And no, Fuck no, that. no hits. Like you have Christina there. You've got Enrique. They were in like the height of their success. You got Tony Braxton. Nobody sings their own songs. They're all singing like weird ballads. That was horrible. That was really. It bad. was horrible. Yeah. Uh, Black Eyed Peas though horrible. was just an oh, abomination. Black Eyed Peas it was, was horrible. It was the opposite of Tom Petty, where it was too much, mm. but just as bad. I mean, just hideous. And like, it just goes to show. It made total sense giving them that gig just in terms of their popularity. But their popularity made no sense. Right. Their popularity made no sense. But also, I feel like they usually give this to acts with more of a legacy under their belt. And in 2011, Black Eyed Peas were like, you know, had been super successful for like four or five years. It felt like that's true. That's true. I thought they were weird. But it was, they were a weird choice, but they were so successful that if you were going to give it to somebody, fairly like recent in right. the middle of their careers sure give it to them but they just i mean they're not performers they're not anything they're trying too hard fergie can't sing rich the vocals during the entire thing like nobody gets off a halfway decent vocal performance at all usher included i mean usher was like yes horrible sound they literally perform i got a feeling twice yes <laughs> like literally it, and it's not a very Which, long to performance. be fair made for the super bowl like who, who where, it, it, where, exactly what better place fergie covers sweet child of mine with slash mm-hmm. and it's maybe the worst thing that ever happened in the history of the world She's doing an Axl Rose. She's trying to like be like Axl. So just imagine Fergie singing like Axl Rose, and it's already torture inside. And this is like not Super Bowl specific, but like, who are the two other Black Eyed Peas? Exactly. So yeah, yeah Tom, Tom Petty and Black Eyed Peas are my bottom two. The other one I would put on this list, and it's not because it's bad, is the Janet one. I couldn't enjoy yes. it. I couldn't enjoy oh. it. Well- I- I, but I, but I, also, why did Janet not have her own? I know that it was in the era of like MTV, but like she just performs all for you and then- And then disappears uh, and they give equal space to Kid Rock. Kid Rock. Kid Rock did as many songs in that performance as Janet did. Excuse me? That was offensive. So that was fine. Janet hits it in her performances. Like, she's she good. Does. She's definitely good in both those performances and, like, brings something to it that is refreshing, especially, like, after what had been happening before it. But, like, I just, with the entire time, I'm just sitting there and knowing this thing is going to happen. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't appreciate anything good about it. It's, it's not good. And also, and it wouldn't have been good even if the boob thing never happened. Right. But also... What a stupid idea. The thing is that there had to be some intentionality there now that I think about it because Janet is headlining the show. I remember when that happened. I remembered watching the halftime show for Janet. Yes. There was maybe some sense of the other acts, but it was Janet-centered. Totally. Justin Timberlake is the one who closes it. It closes with Rock Your Body. Yes. Why would they have a non-headliner sing the last song? You know, Janet's doing the backup vocals. Why would they have a non-headliner sing the song unless they were pegging it to some kind of stunt at the end? A hundred percent. This is what they were doing. They were. were I mean, Gonna Have You Naked by the end of the song reaches over and rips her thing off. I mean, I don't know what else to say. They... It was, they yeah, had, there was some plan they, there. It, to me, I like couldn't even process it normally because I just, I just know what's coming and it really, it bugged me. So yeah, I, I would okay. kind of put that maybe on the list. All right. So let's, can we just, we're going to give one sentence each on these other ones. Okay. New Kids on the Block, 91. Insane. All right. New Kids notwithstanding, actually, there's a child who sings <laughs> Wind Beneath My Wings. He was, quote, a professional singer from Las Vegas named Seth Horton. 
and he sings Wind Beneath My Wings, and he's wearing a football jersey and has a bowl cut that looks, I mean, I've never seen a bowl no, cut like crazy. this. No, it's crazy. It's just, <laughs> it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It doesn't look real. It looks his, like it was placed it, on top of his head. Yes, or that he just has the kind of hair that was made to be cut into a bowl cut to make <laughs> the most perfect bowl cut of all time. It's like beyond Pen15. It's so crazy. he starts singing Wind Beneath My Wings in a football jersey, and it's like, why is this kid <laughs> singing a song most closely associated with Bette Midler? Did you ever know that you They start showing footage of the troops because this is 1991. And then the Bushes War is happening. They hear the Bushes come. It's just total propaganda. The special and guests that year were so George H. W. Bush and Barbara Bush. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's the, it's that is this country. Yes, but step by step, Bob. Step by step, oh baby, gonna get to you, all right, 92 was Winter Magic, starring Gloria Stefan, some Olympic figure skaters, Brian Bortano and Dorothy Hamill were present. I don't know what to say about this. It was... Yeah. Gloria gave a gave a little beat at the end that felt diva fun a little bit, but that was it for me. That was a pretty, pretty forgettable one. Yeah, okay. So we talked about we talked about Michael. We talked about Michael. 94 was like rockin' country, and it was you like... Know, I didn't even watch it. I didn't even watch it was it. so weird. Okay, ninety five was Pat the the, 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 the it, okay. Just to paint the picture, it was Indiana Jones themed. They did a full like almost like theater production of Indiana Jones that was interspersed with performances by Patti LaBelle, Teddy Pendergrass, Tony Bennett, and the Miami Sound Machine. This was it's insane. Out of control. It it's basically like the Indiana Jones stunt show that they have at Hollywood Studios in yeah. Disney. Yeah. Where there's like dialogue being played on the PA, but yeah. obviously the actors are not saying it. Yes. <laughs> They're kind of lip the actors are lip syncing the dialogue. <laughs> and it's a whole thing. It's a whole plot arc where he's trying to steal, I don't know, is that the, the Super Bowl trophy or yes, some kind exactly. of trophy? Yeah. And so he's got to steal that and blah, and Patty LaBelle is is there. So singing. <laughs> She's really invested in this. This was absolute crazy chaos. And, and in fact, I can't recommend it enough. It really was worth watching. It was crazy. Yes. This actually almost made my top five just for being pure camp. And also like she and Tony are crazy as duet partners. It was absolutely totally. insane sounding. Singing Can You Feel the Love Tonight. They make absolutely no sense. It was one of the worst duets I've ever heard in my life. It was horrible. All right, 96, we talked about Diana. 97 was the Blues Brothers and James Brown. This was absolutely horrible. This almost made my bottom list. I actually skipped this one, too, because I knew horrible. it wouldn't. I, uh, yeah. It was horrible. 98 was a Motown tribute that featured Boys to Men, Temptations, Martha Reeves, Smokey, and Queen Steve. I actually quite liked this one. I did, but Martha Reeves' vocals were awfully Martha pitchy. Martha Reeves sounded crazy. What was going on? Crazy. It was like she hadn't sung in a long time or something. <laughs> yes. It was, I was, it was so really distracted by that. I wrote here, Martha Reeves sounds crazy. Well, because she's singing like in a nasal, overly high pitched way. She's singing like Heat Wave and Dancing in the Streets, which are like 
not that difficult of songs no, to not sing. A, oh, she's do, I felt like it was more like a stylistic choice that didn't pay off. I guess, but I why? It was <laughs> why? So, and she was like out of breath. It was she was she was not good. But Su- there, but the Temptations sounded amazing. Temptations were amazing. Boys the Men obviously did. Queen Latifah sounded good. Queen Latifah also first time a rap element was introduced to the show. I felt like she yeah, did, yeah, yeah. She did kind of like a sample of "Heard It Through the Grapevine" and like rapped over it. Yeah, that was a single of hers. Paper. Oh. This was on the better end of these ones. The 99 was was Stevie Wonder and Gloria Estefan again for some reason. Oh, you're forgetting Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Oh, and of course, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. So to me, the most notable thing about this performance is that it opens with Stevie Wonder singing Sir Duke while the premise of his entry to the stage is that he's driving a car. Yes. But Stevie Wonder is blind. He's blind, I know. It was crazy. That was so weird. He's I mean, behind the wheel of a car. Th- this was another one that just made no sense. Like, why are Gloria Stefan no and sense. Stevie Wonder performing together? Why is Savion Glover tap dancing? And then there's a weird moment where Stevie tap dances with Savion Glover for a second. Yes. That yes. was so weird. But I do feel like Gloria was kind of giving. She was. It, yeah. I had totally forgotten that she, that like her turn the beat around was a huge hit. Yeah. Like very late in her yes. kind of like hit making yes. period. Yes. So, you know, good for her. And this is the second time, as we mentioned, that decade that Gloria Stefan showed up. Yeah. Certainly and- turn the beat around makes a lot more sense than live for loving you, which she performed yeah. last time. I felt like it gave a little bit of like a precursor to like the pop diva giving you kind of like yeah. the glamorous huge dance number. I thought she was yes. good. Stevie didn't do that much for me during this we talked about oh oh this was like the disney millennium christina phil collins tony braxton and rika is horrible one of the worst ones all right oh what i feel like here we're gonna have a little bit of conflict oh what is a is one many people like which is the people like that the first mtv one it's Technically, Aerosmith is the headliner. Aerosmith and NSYNC are the co-headliners. But yes. Britney is there. Nelly is there. And Mary, Mary J. J. Blige appears for no apparent reason. And I believe didn't do anything besides just kind of walk around. I think she sang a little bit of Walk This Way. Like oh, a yeah. tiny little bit. Yeah. There's some kind of insane transition that they do. It's going to be me and and Steven yes. Tyler finishes It's Gonna Be Me and then goes in to walk this way or something like that. So you get to hear Steven Tyler sing yeah, It's so Gonna it, Be Maddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be I find this one to be like chaotic fun, to be honest with you. Like it's not good per se, but it's very like, whoa, there's Nelly. There like it's it's insane, but and then Britney coming it's a out. Shot. Yeah, it's a snap. It really felt like a moment. Britney coming out in the football uniform. I believe she yes. was singing live. I think this might be her only live performance <laughs> of all time. Nelly raps EI over Walk This Way at one point. He does. He um, did do that. O2 was U2. We talked about that. O3 completely memory hold this. Shania Twain, no doubt, with a special appearance from Sting. Yeah. Which to me is the best part. No doubt playing Message in a Bottle, doing those like weird kind of like hardcore-y kind of skittery drums made a lot of sense to me. I I I thought that totally worked. Shania was not doing much. She was not doing much. She sings Man, I Feel Like a Woman and Up. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, Gwen has her live singing issues, but she has a ton of charisma and basically totally. can overcome whatever limitations she has by sheer virtue of her showmanship. Agreed. So not the worst. Not, not the, the worst, worst, but just I just, you think you remember these things and I just completely You think you forgot. remember these. I, yeah, I totally forgot it too. All right, 04 was Janet. We talked about that. 05 was Paul McCartney. We talked about him. 06, Rolling Stones. You know, 
Mick Jagger, icon? I don't know. He was fine. I've never been into the Rolling Stones music. I'm not against it, and I love yeah. Miss You. Right. But, um, but just in general, like, I would never put on a Rolling Stones song. I appreciate them as kind of like a well-oiled machine. For sure. I mean, talk about someone who's like, I mean, 80 years old or whatever and is still fucking like doing this. I mean, I've seen them live numerous times. He is electric when you're in his presence. And both of them, both Keith and Mick. I thought this was another one that really was like, what are the song choices here? Like they have so many memorable hits that almost, that anyone would recognize whether you're a fan or not. And they performed their new single. Like that was one of their three The new songs. single was a bad idea. Yeah, yes. like why are you doing that? You have one of the greatest catalogs in history and you're picking, that was kind of weird to me. Prince, we talked about, that was 07. We've talked about Tom Petty. That was 08. Bruce. Bruce was good. I, I thought very joyful, good. like really, really yes. like uplifting. I really, I, I smiled during the entire thing, which I really because loved. He opens it by saying, yeah. by telling people, step away from the guacamole dip and to put the chicken fingers down. I want you to step back from the guacamole dip. I want you to put the chicken fingers down and turn your television all the way up. And then closes it by saying, I'm going yeah. to Disneyland. <laughs> totally. What? And it's like, I get what he means, but what? What are you, what? You could tell the audience was living for it, though. Yeah. if I mean, if you're going to be, like, a middle to late-aged yeah. boomer act, yeah. you should be more like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I got to say. And he looks good. He looks great. Yes, he's still hot. He really is. Yeah. The Who, we talked about. That was bad. Black Eyed Peas, bad. We talked about that was 12. Uh, 2012 was Madonna. 13 was Beyonce. 14 was Bruno Mars. I think we touched on Bruno Mars. Great performer, but, like, lacking in catalog, I thought, a little bit. Yeah. And, like, I Red agree. Hot Chili Peppers was random as hell as a guest. It was random. But, again, talk about looking good. I thought Anthony Kiedis looked amazing. He looked amazing. And they, and in another era, they should have had their own halftime show, I felt like. A hundred percent. All right, 15, Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Would you like a moment? Yeah. Why? Well, <laughs> No, Would you I, like another I feel moment? like we, I don't know. I feel like... Okay, you got it. You'll, you'll, you'll just never convince me that Katy Perry is anything other than extremely lucky. I agree. You just won't. I agree. She worked with good people. It's not mm-hmm. that she doesn't have good songs. She does. It's not that she can't carry a tune in yep. a studio. Mm-hmm. And that's what she can do. Yes. And that took her very far. Agreed. But then when it stopped taking her far, I can't say I was surprised because nope. I always said all along, where's the there there? There's no it. there there. You called it. What about Missy coming out in the middle of this thing? I mean, it was like, why didn't she just do it? Right, Missy exactly. was like the, a break from the mediocrity. A hundred percent. But it was another one of those things where it's like, what does Missy Elliott why? have to do with Katy Perry? Like there Katy is Perry, zero nothing. connection there. So that was really weird. All right. 16 was Coldplay and once again, Beyonce and Bruno Mars. Yes. Made sense to me, yeah. but you know. I feel like you got a middle of the road Coldplay halftime show sandwiched around a very exciting four to five minutes of Beyonce and Bruno Mars. Well, because Beyonce does formation and I believe it came out that day. No, like a week before. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, like formation was the track then and there. A hundred percent. And so she comes out and performs this. This is her biggest, most overt statement of black pride that she's ever put out there. Yep. Brought that to the football field. Her and the dancers are like nodding to the Black Panthers in their their costumes. And, And I mean, that song is just a masterwork. One of the greatest songs ever made. And they do this whole kind of like back and forth between her and Bruno where he's doing Uptown Funk, which like, frankly, he needed Uptown Funk at the first yes. one. Like that's like his yes, superlative song he at did. this point. And we were missing that moment at the first one. So they do this really amazing thing where they go back and forth between like Formation and Bruno. And there's, a, it, it, it was, that whole moment was like incredible. And then all of a sudden like Coldplay's back. There's this really actually funny moment where Beyonce and Bruno Mars like kind of like gather Chris Martin in their arms and are like, no, it's okay. Like, I know we just shat all over you, but like, you know, like, 
come <laughs> come walk with you're us. You're still cool too. Yeah, you're yeah. still here. We love you. All right, yeah. 17 was Gaga. 18 was Justin Timberlake for the third time. And perhaps the least needed time. It was also uh, the uh, the beginning of the end for him. This is when Janet Jackson Appreciation Day. Uh, certainly his career declined steeply after this. Sure. And whatever sense it made to invite him to do this would make no sense the next day. Well, first of all, I have a few things to say. One, in the documentary, he did ask Janet to be part of it and she declined. Yes. Which is, I think, a weird choice on her part, to be honest with you. That would have been nice. I I agree. Um, that said he did perform rock your body without singing that last line there was multiple moments where i was going to throw up it was like to me i felt like this was a perfectly proficient super bowl performance like he's he was doing what he does he is the consummate sort of like child star entertainer he it was all perfect but like boring and bland and really cheesy so it's like that would be one thing but then the subtext to me was like really bugging me which was first watching him come out and do Rock Your Body, which was like a choice. Like he did not have to do that. And then to sort of turn it into like a sort of bro-y, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Instead of saying, gonna have you naked at the end of the song, he just kind of goes like, oh, or like he does like some little thing and just sort of moves past it. Yeah, he kind of like swerves it vocally. Wink, wink, like I ruined this woman's career. I partook in ruining this woman's career. Like, ha ha, how funny is that? That was gross. The other part about it that really sort of irked me was that the Prince cover, for numerous reasons, so he covers I Would Die For You at the end of the performance. In a ballad, kind of. In a ballad, mixing it with his song Until the End of Time. Which sounds very Prince-like. It has a Lindrum sound in it. Exactly, exactly. Minneapolis, Minnesota, this one's for you. Didn't Prince overtly hate Blue Eyed Soul? Which, by the way, just for people that know, is when, you know, like white people do soul music, essentially. It, Prince said contradictory things. Right. I thought he specifically hated Justin Timberlake. Oh, uh, about Sexy Back, about is, Sexy Back, right? Yes, about yeah, yeah, Sexy yeah, Back, yeah, right. yes. Prince mocked him and said, for ever who is claiming that they are bringing Sexy Back, Sexy never left. Right. I right. think at, at an Classic. Emmys party or something. Yeah. And then Justin, like, answered him and give it to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if sexy never left, then why is everybody then on my dick? why is everybody on my shit? Yeah. yeah. If sexy never left, then why is everybody on my shit? It, it don't pay to me just because you didn't come up with this. So if Fuck great. you. He is, what? He, it's just he just never fails to be, like just a smug just smug yeah Yeah, exactly and i think that was his downfall too the fact that justin timberlake has never wanted for anything really did not do it did not serve him well like when he was in romantic comedies and stuff because it was like you have no charm or charisma this is this is somebody who can walk into a room and people are attracted to him so why should he ever try anything and you could really see that 100 acting and it was just like you just don't know how to be a human i guess there's no like greater reassessment in my own personal like canon of pop music than Justin Timberlake because I really feel like I was bought into like whatever he was selling in the peak of his career because I was young and like attracted to him and culture was selling me the idea that he was whatever that he was like the second coming but it's like looking back on it all talk about luck I mean I think he's more talented than Katy Perry but like another person that really benefited a lot from like just being in the right place at the right time and being in the right place, being white and seeing yes, black music. Exactly. I think he's like yeah. the, the person that you'd point to. Picking the right collaborators too. Picking the right collaborators. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that on Justin. That's that. By Justin. 2019 Maroon, Maroon 5. I don't really buy Maroon 5 as a rock band and no. I don't buy Adam Levine as a rock star, but no. I do find him very hot. So he I'm is. not mad at him if he wants to take a shirt off that's good for me he knew what the <laughs> right. people wanted and it wasn't any of those he songs it was for him to wanted. take his and shirt that, off and that was you know iconic in its own way i mean i guess mm-hmm. people were like mad that like janet took her shirt off and look what happened to her okay yeah. whatever but like he took his shirt off and people remembered him taking his shirt off because yeah. he's fucking hot so good for you i feel like at this point in super bowl history we're at a place where like they're too big to fail like i kept thinking like oh yeah, yeah. it's maroon five i'm gonna hate this it's gonna be terrible but like they the production had gotten to a point where it's yes. like they're gonna be decent just by dint of like what's carrying them you know what i mean 
Totally. Yeah. Not, I was not mad at that at all. No. I mean, the, there's one Maroon like, 5 song that I love that yeah. they did not perform. So, Which but, is what? Whatever. That was low stakes. Makes me wonder. Makes me wonder. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes me wonder yes. is also my favorite Maroon 5 song. Yeah, it's like a Hall & Oates song or something. Before Max Martin entered the picture, they were in better shape yeah. for me. Right, we talked about Jalen Shakira, and the last one is The Weeknd. You know, the, I, I'm not mad at it, and I like a lot of The Weeknd songs. I don't... It's very strange because they're trying to, like fit a square peg into a round hole yeah right like yeah. he's not that pop performer right and yet he is yeah he's i've always found him a little bit of a lackluster performer i actually got tickets uh from a friend who would work for his record label and went to one of his shows you know for free yeah and even though i like much of his music i was bored yeah. out of my mind and i i thought yeah. this was very middle of the road like it didn't do much for me well there was no crowd right that's no. part of the issue right that was part of the issue but but also like if you're holding up it's, the year yeah. before is j-lo and shakira as kind of like the platonic ideal of this thing like yeah yeah like, i want that i just don't want the weekend dour sort of like cool i don't know he's just, yeah, I to, just me, to me to me you know what it is it's and i love i love the new dune but to me it makes no sense that timothy chalamet should be playing paul atreides and it makes all the business sense in the world and it's the same thing as hiring mm. weekend to do your halftime show i right. think like right. yes he does have that stature but actually the dna like what he is as a star is not the Super Bowl performer. I agree. It's just, that's not who he is. I agree. You got to be a great live performer, and I just don't think that he really is that great of a live performer. All right. Yeah. Last question. Let's get out of here. Oh my God, we recorded for a long time. Who hasn't done it that you'd want to see do it? What a great question that I would want to see. Yeah. Let's say. Do let's it. say it didn't have to do with stature, because I have a fun answer for something that like will never ever get it, but would definitely kill it. And I'll tell you while you think. I'll tell you while you think about it. Sierra. <laughs> Sierra <laughs> Tanashi is my answer. Tell me, tell me, <laughs> tell me I'm lying. Sierra would fucking no. kill it. Oh, it would be amazing. And people would be like, oh my God. Like, I mean, like Sierra is yes. just so underrated. She would kill it. She would give you that performance that you wanted from this thing. Uh, here's what I'll say. Okay. I think if like Britney had it more together, it, she should have been this year. This would have, if she wanted to continue with her music career, she should have gotten on that stage and tore it. And that would have been a thing. But can she tear it? So I don't, I don't know if she can. I don't know if she can, but it could have been a really iconic moment in a way that Dr. Dre and Mary J. Blige and everybody else will not be. No, right. I, like I said, Mariah Carey can't do it, but I wouldn't mind watching her fail. <laughs> that, Rich, that is so never happening beyond comprehension. Like, I'm sorry to say that is not. No. Oh, I have the answer. I actually have the answer. Oh, and castigate me all you want. But Celine Dion could get on that stage oh, for sure. and like yeah. annihilate. Yeah, that's she true. could that's do true. it. And people would be like, Celine Dion, whatever. And then by the end, yeah. she would have people loving her. She would I, great absolutely answer. prove why she. Great answer. My answer is Celine Dion. Yes, because she's Thank also you. the only sort of like diva at the microphone who like knows how to put the spectacle together because of her Vegas life. Like, I feel like she would know. Such a performer. Yeah, she would know. Such a performer. She would kill it. I she agree. She would know how great, to do it. Great, great answer. All right, Rich Dusby. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much for being here again. Thank you for having me. It's always this was fun. so much fun. This was fun. Yes, always. Always. Because love's gonna conquer.